Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, the Great Resignation continues to present many challenges for employers of all types and sizes. But a new survey finds a lack of workplace satisfaction isn't necessarily the full story behind what's driving it. Also this morning, with the well-documented labor shortage, America's small businesses find themselves competing with even the biggest employers for available talent. Can they really compete in this environment? And to your health, June is Cancer Survivor Month. It's a group that's growing in number every year, providing hope to those in the battle both now and in the future. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, June 8th, 2022. Today, if you need a reason to celebrate... It is Name Your Poison Day. <laughs> so pick your poison today. National Upsy Daisy Day, World Brain Tumor Day, Jelly Filled Donut Day. Now, how how weird is that? You would think that the organizers of all of these special days could get together because it seems weird to have World Brain Tumor Day follow fall on the same day as Jelly Filled Donut Day. <laughs> One of these things is not like the other. Um, it is World Oceans Day, and today also National Best Friends Day. And to help celebrate that occasion, Budweiser wants to buy your best friend a beer. Uh, Budweiser is offering $5 off your next round. You use the booze delivery service Drizzly. Download their app, if you are of legal drinking age, of course. Download the Drizzly app. Use the promo code BESTBUDS, and you get $5 off your purchase, so you can tell your best friend, this Bud's for you. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's all part of a uh, promotion involving Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina of the St. Louis Cardinals. So, Best Friends Day today. Reasons to celebrate. So, apparently, we uh, need to be more concerned about the uh, monkeypox outbreak than uh, originally. Remember, a couple of weeks ago, the uh, monkeypox uh, outbreak started making headlines. This uh, monkeypox spread of monkeypox. But uh, CDC officials said, nothing to worry about here. Well, apparently, there is something to worry about. The CDC now raising its alert level for monkeypox. The health agency raised the alert level to level two uh, on Monday, and here it comes. They recommended that Americans wear masks when they travel. CDC said monkeypox cases have been reported in North and South America, Africa, Asia, and Australia. Symptoms begin as something like the flu, but then soon include swelling of the lymph nodes and a rash Across the face and the body, painful lesions then form on the rash areas, leaving severe scarring. So you don't want to mess around with this. It's not uh, deadly, apparently, but it is very uncomfortable. So apparently we do have to worry about that uh, after all. Some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories get your midweek Wednesday morning started. So much for Pride Month, a state lawmaker in Texas has proposed a ban in that state on minors being able to attend drag shows. This after videos appeared online showing children at a drag queen showcase in Dallas. 
this past weekend, presumably for Pride Month. State Representative Brian Slayton, a Republican, said on social media earlier this week that he plans to introduce legislation during next year's legislative session uh, aimed at, quote, protecting kids from drag shows and other inappropriate displays, unquote. The next legislative session in Texas begins in January. So, you know, we'll see if it comes to pass. Uh, So because by that time, you would think this is June. So probably we'll have forgotten all about that, but maybe not. Um, Now, Mr. Slayton immediately got some pushback over this proposal from those on the other side of the aisle. Democratic State Representative Aaron Zweiner tweeted, Texas doesn't need a nanny, y'all. Had to put a y'all in there. Texas doesn't need a nanny. And uh, she says that's what the GOP wants to be. Over your shoulder, judging your parenting skills every single day. So stay tuned on that. Speaking of uh, Pride Day, I thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, New data from the Pew Research Center. Uh, new findings on gender identity and uh, and Americans, notably in this uh, new finding, this new study, this new survey, the Pew Research Center, it claims that 44% of Americans, well, it doesn't claim this, says that 44% of Americans now say they know at least one trans person. And more than 5% of adults in the United States under the age of 30 identify as transgender or non-binary is the term of the day, the current trendy term of the day, non-binary. 5% under the age of 30 identify as non-binary or transgender. 20% of respondents in this poll say they know someone who identifies as non-binary. So uh, numbers are higher among younger adults, half of whom say they know a trans individual While research of this nature has been done before, the story goes on to say it is greatly suspected that trans individuals have been underreported and underrepresented in the past. So, kind of interesting there. Uh, Let's see what else is uh, going on here. Uh, Oh, this I saw on the uh, business wire. Walmart is pulling a certain brand of coconut milk from its store shelves. Uh, the Chow Cow Coconut Milk, uh, which is spelled, it's a brand spelled C-H-A-O-K-O-H, Chow Cow, I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, but they are pulling it from store shelves and from their online site over allegations, are you ready for this, of forced monkey labor. Forced monkey labor. The supplier of this particular brand of coconut milk is based in Thailand, and they are accused of using chained monkeys as forced labor to pick coconuts for the coconut milk. This is following an investigation by PETA, the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. That's bizarre, isn't it? I mean, forced monkey labor, of all things. Uh, Walmart's not the only one. Target, Costco, Kroger's, Wegmans and Walgreens have removed this particular brand of coconut milk as well. That is 
it's just weird. I You could put that up there into the category of things I never thought I would hear myself say <laughs> that that a brand of coconut milk has been pulled over allegations of forced monkey labor. It's just not something you expect to report on. And uh, finally, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, a postscript on Queen Elizabeth's Platinum Jubilee. Uh, The Jubilee over the weekend had a lot of people paying attention not only to the festivities, but some believe... This is the story now. Some believe there might have been some otherworldly visitors in the mix as well. So apparently, have you heard about this? During a Royal Air Force flyover to mark the Queen's 70 years on the throne, some observers swear that they spotted an unidentified object in the sky. And... Clips, photographs, and video clips of the purported sighting have been posted online. There are believers who think that aliens may have wanted to pay tribute to the British monarch, apparently. Uh, There is a... And apparently in these photos, I have not seen them, but I saw this on the Newswire, and I'm going to have to look this up. Apparently in the photos and the videos, there is a spherical metallic orb off to the side uh, in these pictures of the flyover. Now, uh, some of those skeptics believe that maybe it's a uh, an artifact, a photographic artifact of the lens, and there's sun reflecting off of it, creating, you know, a, a, a blip in the image that when it shows up, it looks like there's something in the sky, but there's really not. It's just the reflection of the sun off the lens. But apparently there are multiple uh, there are multiple shots, multiple videos showing the same thing, presumably all taken from slightly different angles of people in the crowd and so on, and they all show the same thing. So I don't know. Uh, do you believe as there little visitors from other planets out there? And if there are, would they really be interested in the Queen's Platinum Jubilee? I mean, that would, would that's, that's what I wonder, is uh, would they really be interested in the Queen's Jubilee? Or on the other hand, could those visitors from outer space have just wondered, hey, there seems to be something big going on this part of the planet. Let's go check that out. I don't know. Anyway, there you go. Uh, You can make of that what you will. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, mostly sunny early today, then becoming cloudy in the afternoon, high of 78. Showers and storms possible tonight, low of 58. It was a very special day for area veterans as Flag City Honor Flight took them to Washington to see the memorials built in their honor. WTOL 11 spoke with 100-year-old Frank Chapman. It's amazing how, how many people come to this to bring a lot of memories and different things that way uh, that they probably would never have if they didn't come here. Frank was a Navy pilot in World War II. Flag City Honor Flight will be doing three flights this year. The next two are in September and November. Get more on Flag City Honor Flight on the website. 
A man was killed in a single vehicle crash in Wyandotte County. The sheriff's office says the crash happened on County Highway 53, a little west of Township Highway 102. The sheriff's office says the 80-year-old was driving east on County Highway 53, and he failed to negotiate a curve. His SUV went off of the road, hit a tree, and overturned. Get more on the crash on the website. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine is commenting on a bill about transgender athletes. House Republicans passed a bill with a surprise addition, banning transgender girls and women from participating in women's sports. House Bill 151 would also require a medical exam for anyone suspected of breaking the law. Now, when asked whether he would sign the bill if it came to his desk. We got to look at the language. We got to see what the bill does. Again, we want to be a welcoming state to everyone. We also want to be a fair state. The legislature won't pick up this bill again until after recess. I'm Yolanda Harris. The Finley Rotary Club has awarded its 2022 Richard E. Dick Doherty Scholarship. This year's recipient is Abigail Harjola, who graduated from Finley High School just a few weeks ago. Abigail plans to attend the University of Vermont in the fall to pursue a degree in biological science and a minor in anthropology. I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, throughout the pandemic, as you know, employers experienced a mass exodus from the workforce and continue to feel the repercussions of that. In fact, the Bureau of Labor Statistics says more than four and a half million workers in the U.S. voluntarily quit their jobs in March of this year alone. And while some have speculated that the great resignation is about disgruntled employees trying to find work that makes them happy, recent surveys suggest this may not be the full story. Terry McDonough is president of Education Technology Services for Strategic Education. So from your survey findings, then, if it's not about disgruntled employees trying to find work that makes them happy, or at least not all about that, what is the rest of the story? Well, it's interesting. Our, our survey uh, respondents, 2,000 working adults across America, said, hey, most of us are happy in our job. 78% of our respondents said they're happy with their current job. Um, but uh, surprisingly, 45% of those happy people are open to new work at different companies, and 40% are actively looking for new jobs. And the thing that um, they really seem to want um, uh, that rises to the top of the things they're interested in is education benefits. Uh, 83% of respondents said they believe their employer should be investing in their continued education. Um, and, uh, and and that is um, part of what we believe is, through this survey um, findings, a shift in uh, worker expectations amidst what some call the great resignation, that um, their so- interest in not just salary advancement, but other kinds of benefits is is uh, quite strong. So did you get into or did you get a sense of why uh, this shift? I mean, what has, has triggered that uh, being so much more important now than it was before? I think uh, we, we have um, a challenge in kind of digging into specifically why. I think what we do know is that... Um, worker sentiment has changed, um, that uh, many are leaving their employers because they say there's been a lack of career development Mm -hmm. um, or 
Um, they've been challenged with kind of managers who've asked them to do more and more with less and less. Um, but, you know, I think the thing that we can say is true from our survey data is that um, people believe that education benefits are central to their career development um, and that they want and they, they think education is core to their uh, wage growth. 50% of people yeah. said that, um, you know, raising wages um, was what they go to education for yeah. and that um, they believed that, you know, education was necessary to get a promotion or to uh, gain a greater wage. So well, I think that's part of people's minds, very practical, um, but also uh, they want flexibility. Um, mm. They want wellness benefits. Um, they've been a little tired by the pandemic. And so, um Finding yeah. ways to advance their career through education is one of the ways that they are, are thinking about um, a shifted yeah. work environment. Now, this is, I think, an important distinction for employers considering tuition reimbursement or some type of continuing education benefit for their employees. Should it be limited to education within their existing career field or career path? Or is that seen as sort of self-serving on the part of the employer and not really a worker, quote-unquote, benefit? It's a good question, and I think uh, it is um, our experience that employers who are uh, most open and flexible about the programs that their employee base uh, could have access to see the biggest bump in loyalty. This is anecdotal. This is not from our survey data, but we work mm-hmm. with hundreds of employer partners yeah. in the country. Um, and a number of them uh, put no constraints on the types of programs that uh, their employees can enroll in. And some, in, in fact, offer the benefit to their dependents of their employees hmm. and see uh, better attention of their worker populations and better performance on the job. Um, you know, there are... Um, Clearly, uh, uh, rationale for uh, employers to, to put some limitations on uh, the programs mm-hmm. that people can enroll in. But in this vast explosion of programs, both degree and non-degree over the last couple of years, um, employers can really benefit from upskilling through short-form programs like boot camps and other certificates just as much as degrees. So I think that coupled with the fact that employees seem to have the upper hand at the moment in this dynamic kind of hot labor market uh, means that employers are probably going to have to be more flexible and more um, robust and open in the types of programs that they allow employees to enroll in. It's not just that constrained set of programs that directly fit the you know employer's uh, yeah. supposed So with all of that in mind, then, what insight would you share for employers uh, about what they should consider when looking at the possibility of offering tuition benefits or uh, continuing education benefits for their employees? Well, one thing is uh, a lot of employees appreciate and need the employer to pay for education up front rather than the employee enrolling mm. in a program, paying the tuition, and then getting reimbursed by their employer on the back end. Um, it's hard for many employees to front that tuition payment. Uh, and so um, uh, progressive employers have 
work directly with education providers to pay up front for an employee. Um, and employees really appreciate that. They don't have to come yeah. out of pocket. Yeah. So that's one thing that employers think about. Employees are, are seeking that. The second is um, uh, realizing and recognizing uh, that beyond just um, the tuition and the financial aspect of education, the question of people's time and attention is clearly on people's minds. Um, many people are resigning not to go to a better job, but to not seek other work in general because they've been stressed for time in the midst of the pandemic. 50% of the survey respondents here in our survey said um, they can't pursue uh, advanced education because their job, the time on their job keeps them from doing it or the time on mm. tasks at home or in the community keeps them from doing it. So employers uh, might think about offering time during the workday or at least kind of on the work site um, to, um, to, to kind of use your uh, education benefit mm. to go through your coursework. Um, yeah. So giving some flexibility around time to to take advantage of the benefit is another thing that employers really need to think about. Again, Terry McDonough is president of Education Technology Services for Strategic Education. Where do folks learn more about this survey, some of the insights and uh, information for employers about offering this benefit? WorkforceDevelopmentSurvey.com is our website where we house all the data. Uh, we encourage people to go there, WorkforceDevelopmentSurvey.com. Fascinating insight and a lot there for uh, employers to consider as they struggle uh, to deal with the fallout of the great resignation and try to minimize its effects on their workforce. Terry McDonough, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Chris. I appreciate it, too. Well, the labor shortage is well documented. We were talking about the challenges that companies are facing in filling key positions in their organizations. Well, it's not just big corporations that are struggling with this. There are over 31 million small businesses in the United States, which account for 99% of all uh, U.S. businesses. And not surprisingly, uh, those smaller companies have actually had the most difficulties in hiring in this environment. We are joined by Raj Mukherjee, General Manager of Small Business at Indeed. Raj, why so many uh, hiring challenges for small businesses? You would think that, you know, maybe they would actually have an easier go of it. You know, it's, look, I've been in the industry for more than 20 years. That's a long time. And I've also been a hiring manager for more than a decade. And this is the most challenging hiring market I have ever seen. And in this competitive market, people who are looking for jobs, they have more power than the businesses that are hiring. And so when you talk to small businesses across the country, which I do often enough, and we look at our internal data, which we also have a lot, they're just struggling to compete. It is really interesting. Uh, you're talking about uh, the inability sometimes to compete with uh, some of the larger uh, uh, companies uh, because workers are in such a um, an advantageous position given the uh, given the labor shortage. And I guess that may be uh, not exactly what most people would expect. Uh, it's not that people aren't interested in working for small businesses. It's some of the uh, the pay, the benefits particularly, uh, are, are maybe more difficult to uh, compete with. Is that what you find most often? I mean, look, about half of this country works for small businesses. So it's not like small businesses do not hire people. I mean, they're the lifeblood of our economy. Right. 
they provide like so many people so i think the way i would say it is small businesses oftentimes don't have the same level of hiring power the recruiters that larger businesses have and so they need to lean in even more on technology to help them that's really what matters and we fundamentally believe in order to make it a level playing ground for everyone small businesses should leverage technology and use it to their betterment to hire faster and also to make it possible for them to hire cheaper now you recently did a, a deep dive into this and uh, what are some of the other key findings from this hiring survey that you recently did uh, there at indeed so our new report shows that more than half of small businesses have had one to four open roles in the past 3 months you can imagine what that causes to a smaller company who only have a handful of people it has a meaningful business impact and this that's showing up also in the report where one third of small and medium sized businesses state that they have experienced stall financial growth due to these open roles well, that means loss of customers voice of sometimes having to shut down at times they can't keep it open for as many hours as they want and there's no holidays or breaks from the business mm. and that causes so much stress and even causes turnover so really at the end of the day we see this as a call to really from us or as a call to action to help these businesses such that our local economies can thrive I, I want to ask you about this because we were talking about the fact that many companies have been forced to take a second look at the way they fill open positions within their organization. Many are no longer requiring uh, the same level of education and training or experience as they once did for uh, key positions. Is that true of small businesses as well, where uh, where one person may fill more roles or play a more critical role in the success or failure of the business, given uh, the dynamics of the number of people uh, who are at the forefront of the business, can small businesses afford to take that route? So it's a really important question. It goes to the increase of aperture that you have to have in order to hire the talent you need. And this is not just small business or large business. Look, historically, hiring has been about looking at someone's resume and the experience they've had. You haven't taken into account whether that person has built the skills through other mechanisms. and those are the things that need to surface up and for small businesses it's actually even more important to yeah. use what we call assessment that complements someone's resume and this is where technology comes in because indeed provides assessment where a small business let's say i'm trying to hire a marketing person and i come in and i use indeed assessment which are again catered to that particular discipline you can choose your marketing assessment you can evaluate that person and then bring that person into the fold even if that person doesn't necessarily have a marketing degree. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. You can actually increase the talent pool. So that kind of leads us to uh, the question we kind of set the stage with all of this. Uh, talk about uh, what Indeed is doing to help these small businesses then attract and retain the talent that has been so difficult uh, for them to find, as we were saying. Yeah, I mean, small businesses are genuinely finding it so hard to find quality candidates. On the other hand, we see more than 250 million people on our site every month looking for jobs so it's really about matching that and that's what we are doing we want to make the hiring process simpler easier and faster and that means less time that small businesses have to spend on hiring and more time they can spend on running their business and making human connections so you do that by coming to indeed post your job screen for candidates schedule your interviews 
and then conduct the interview all in one place. You don't have to go anywhere else. We let you do all of that in one place. And because we believe that this is so exciting, we have launched a fifty million dollar hiring fund, which gives five hundred dollars to any small business across the country for just interviewing on Indeed. Like really, it's five hundred dollars of sponsored job credit to hire faster to every business out there. So, uh, again, uh, with us this morning is uh, Raj Mukherjee, General Manager of Small Business at Indeed. Where do folks uh, learn more uh, about this uh, initiative that you were mentioning, the 2022 State of Small Business Hiring Survey, and more? I'm assuming you have all of that up on your website, right? We do, we do. So they have to go to go.indeed.com slash hiring fund. Again, go.indeed.com slash hiring fund. And if they go there, they can claim their $500 credit right now. Post a job, interview on Indeed, and claim your $500 credit. Raj, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. Appreciate the insight. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. File this under the category of you think he would have known better. Uh, Jim Fitton, who is a geologist from Great Britain, who was on a tour of Iraq, has been sentenced to 15 years after picking up shards of pottery and stones from a Sumerian archaeological site. Mr. Fitton was stopped at the airport when he was trying to leave the country and was arrested, later convicted of stealing artifacts and trying to smuggle them out of the country. Now, mind you, again, he's a geologist, but he claims he did not know what he was doing was illegal and plans to appeal the charges. Another tourist uh, in his group was detained, but later acquitted. Basically, they were thinking, you know, he's a geologist. He should know that you can't steal stuff from an archaeological dig. It's not. (laughs) You would think he would know better. Speaking of people who should know better, back this uh, side of the pond, two deputies in Louisiana, now former deputies, are accused of participating in a pay fraud scheme and skimming thousands of dollars from their work on the side. Uh, On Monday, the East Baton Rouge Parish Parish Sheriff's Office announced that 27-year-old Michael Arthur and 25-year-old Andre Weber had both been arrested and fired, not necessarily in that order. Mr. Arthur was reportedly caught on security video clocking himself and Mr. Weber in and out for security shifts at a local business, which is their side hustle. This is their second job. Both deputies though we're actually on their job with the sheriff's office at the time that they clocked in and out of their private security job. (laughs) Mr. Arthur is accused of bilking the business out of more than $5,000. Mr. Weber made off with a little less than a thousand. Again, you file that under the category of you think they would have known better uh, than that. Being uh, deputies, now former deputies. Elsewhere in the broken news, a man in Salem, Massachusetts, 
uh, is under arrest after allegedly covering a statue with red paint. The report was made on Monday afternoon when witnesses called police saying they saw a man spray painting the bronze bewitched statue in the town square. Uh, The statue depicts actress Elizabeth Montgomery, the actress from Bewitched, uh, sitting on a broomstick. And it's there in Salem, Massachusetts. It's a play off the Salem witch trials. Now, there are a number. Apparently, the statue was erected in the city, famous for the 17th century witch trials, in 2005, despite protests from some who said it trivializes the tragedy uh, that occurred there back in the 17th century. But uh, it's kind of a community uh, thing, tourist attraction, that kind of thing, the statue of Elizabeth Montgomery, the bewitched statue. And an officer in the area spotted a man fitting witness descriptions of the vandal who spray-painted the bewitched statue statue with red paint. After a brief chase, thirty-two year old a 32-year-old city resident has been charged uh, with defacing property, resisting arrest, and disorderly conduct. The motive for defacing the statue is unclear, but the mayor vows to repair the statue to its former glory. Is it just me? It's weird that they have a bewitched statue in Salem, Massachusetts. It does seem rather odd, you know? Anyway, still, shouldn't deface it. Shouldn't vandalize it like that. Uh, Whoopsie-daisy, a man in Florida is recovering from an alligator attack after mistaking it for a dog. (laughs) The... These two things don't look alike, but here's the story. The 49-year-old was walking near his home uh, at night when he saw a dark shape moving in the bushes. What he thought was a dog with a long leash turned out to be an aggressive seven-foot-long alligator, which uh, turned on him and bit a chunk of his leg before he could escape and get uh, medical help. Trappers later caught the animal and uh, sent it to be euthanized, but... Bet he won't do that again. You would think, again, if you live in Florida, you would think you would know better than to uh, reach into the bushes uh, if there is a dark, shadowy figure in the in the bushes. They got gators in Florida. I mean, even I know that. But anyway. Uh, let's see. Drivers in Oklahoma City had an interesting start to their week on Monday. A cowboy was tasked with wrangling a loose cow... On a busy highway, Blake Eigert, a contractor for Oklahoma National Stockyards, uh, told local news reporters he was about to start his workday when he got a phone call that there were some cows out heading down Interstate 40. (laughs) And they needed someone to rope the cows. It is Oklahoma City, after all. all. Uh, So he saddled up his horse and headed off to save the day. He said it was a little more intense than is uh, than what he normally. I mean, he's roped cows before. This was a little more intense. Right in the middle of traffic, the cows were headed right onto the interstate. He eventually safely wrangled the loose cow and said the experience was unforgettable. Probably for the motorists who were caught up in the whole thing, probably un- unforgettable as well. He said it's not completely new, but you don't see it every day. And speaking of things you don't see every day, in Albany City, New York, a court was closed on Tuesday yesterday for fumigation after hundreds of cockroaches 
were released by a protester during a court procedure. The incident occurred yesterday morning during an arraignment of four people. One of the defendants began, took out her phone apparently and started to record the court proceedings. And uh, that individual was told to cut it out. A fight escalated and the cockroaches were then released from plastic containers. Kliana Lightborn, age 34, was charged with disorderly conduct, resisting arrest, criminal contempt, and tampering with physical evidence. The uh, director of public information with the uh, court system there in Albany City uh, told local news reporters that an investigation into the incident is underway and more people may be charged. It is unclear who released the cockroaches and how that individual managed to bring them inside the court. <laughs> court was closed all day. The uh, release of the cockroaches. Again, just something you don't see every day. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to us a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. It's the WFIN Virtual Car Show. Get them out, shine them up, and upload a pic of your classic, and we'll post it to WFIN.com for everybody to see. In addition, we'll have an online car show calendar so that you know when and where all the area shows are. It's chrome and horsepower on display online. The WFIN Virtual Car Show and Calendar. Thanks to Details Auto Spa, Loritz Chevrolet Cadillac, and 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. New survey uh, asked people what they would do if they won the lottery. And not just, you know, winning a hundred bucks on a scratch off or something. I mean, we're talking about winning big bucks, you know, one of those mega millions drawings or, you know, something like that. Uh, What they found was that 83%, said that they would not tell anyone, not even their family, because of the belief that they would, you know, everybody would come out of the woodwork and want a piece of their fortune, right? 83% said that they would not tell a soul. Now, keep in mind that many states, uh, including Ohio, have a requirement if you win over a certain amount, uh, you cannot remain anonymous. They have this big press conference and they trot you out in front of the reporters and all of that. And um, we've actually talked about that on this program before, whether they really should do that or not, because it can be a safety issue. I mean, people have been killed over huge lottery jackpots, but 83% said that they would not tell anyone because people would come out of the woodwork. The survey of more than 1,100 people commissioned by Play Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania State Lottery, also found out that about 10% said that they would quit their job immediately if they won. 10%. 60% said that they would leave their job within six months of winning. Uh, I've always said if I won it big on the lottery, I wouldn't quit my job, but I wouldn't take any crap from anyone. <laughs> you, know, you wouldn't have to put up with it. I'm just going to walk. Um, a big majority of those in the survey, 88% said that they would donate at least some of the winnings. 2% said that they would actually leave their significant other if they won. 2% said they would leave their husband or their wife. Wow. Who are those 2% of people? 
Um, as for what people would buy if they won the lottery, the most popular things were a new home, a trip, a dream vacation, uh, a new car. Uh, the top five things named to do after winning were travel the world, pay off debt, become an artiste, write a book, and play video games full time. What would you do with all of your time? Assuming you quit your job, what would you do with all your time? When it comes to how often people play the lottery, only 1% play every day. 20% claim they have never bought a ticket. So from one extreme to the other. Although when the Mega Millions reaches an all-time high, two out of every five say that they will play the lottery. People do tend to rely on similar strategies to pick their numbers. For example, survey respondents report using a lucky number, uh, a birthday, or an anniversary date when filling out their tickets. I would presume that probably the 2% of people who said that they would leave their spouse if they won big probably are not the ones that are using their anniversary date when filling out their tickets. Do you think? <laughs> Uh, the top way, however, of picking the lucky numbers is still just by, you know, random choice, either yourself just picking random numbers or letting the computer do it for you. But uh, interesting, 83% said that they would not tell anyone, presumably 2% wouldn't even tell their spouse. They just up and disappear, apparently. Wow. <laughs> How about a positive story to your health this morning? According to the National Cancer Institute, there are an estimated 16.9 million cancer survivors as of January of 2019 in the United States, and that number is projected to increase to 22.2 million by the year 2030. As June marks National Cancer Survivors Month, I want to celebrate the fact that life after a cancer diagnosis is a reality for so many millions of people. Lindsay Levingston is one such survivor, and she joins us this morning as a patient advocate on behalf of Invite. And Lindsay, talk a little bit about your experience, your journey uh, as a uh, breast cancer patient, and more importantly, a survivor. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for having me on. And hello, good morning, Toledo. So in July 2019, I was living in the New York City area, working in media. I felt a lump in my right breast that worried me, so I scheduled an exam, and I had my very first mammogram at the age of 37. You know, typically, we are, it's recommended that yeah. we as women wait until the age of 30. Yeah. Or excuse me, at 40. Mm -hmm. But here I am at 37, diagnosed Chris, with triple negative stage 2B breast cancer, which is an aggressive subtype of cancer, more common in black women. It has limited treatment options, oftentimes a worse prognosis. Wow, that's got to be so scary. I relocated. It was, and I didn't realize it in the moment mm -hmm. how how um, scary it would be or you know what an impact it would be. Mm -hmm until I really started to undergo treatment. So relocated back home to Houston, boarded a very fast moving train to remission. My doctor laid out a comprehensive plan that would include chemotherapy, a, um, lumpectomy and radiation. So started chemo and I received a phone call from a cousin on my dad's side of the family. She alerted me to the fact that breast cancer was very dominant 
on my dad's side of the family. I had no idea. Hmm. Right. So, because they ask you when you're diagnosed, do you have a family history? And I said, oh, right. no. But I received that phone call and I'm so glad I did. So I shared that with my doctor. My doctor ordered a genetic test from Invitae to see if I carried the BRCA1 gene mutation and my results showed that I did. So this completely changed my treatment plan and it changed my life. It's interesting that, as you said, your your first indication of the first diagnosis came from uh, feeling a lump, uh, which is the common way. But then medical genetic testing actually comes into play beyond that. So it's not an either or, it's an and in your case. Exactly. So just add a comma to that sentence. Right. So after taking that genetic test and receiving those results, that completely changed the course of my treatment. So 15 rounds of chemotherapy, I rang the bell, and then my doctor recommended I have a bilateral mastectomy to remove both breast, breast reconstruction, and subsequent surgeries to remove my ovaries and fallopian tubes to reduce my risk of ovarian cancer. Mm. So what do you say to other women, particularly women of color, who want to be proactive uh, about their health? Because so often, and we, we say this, that the key to successful outcomes is earlier detection, earliest treatment. That's exactly right. So right when I completed my treatment and surgeries and was declared cancer-free, Chris, I had a calling to help others, to to empower them, to inform them, to educate them. And I created Survive Her, a platform. And through Survive Her, I tell black women to know your family history and to schedule that genetic test because knowledge is power. And if you know the genetic risk and and diseases and chronic illnesses to which you are predisposed, you can take action proactively to expand your life. It's really that simple. And that's what it's all about. Uh, As we mentioned, uh, June is uh, Cancer Survivors Month. Talk a little bit about that uh, aspect of your life now as a cancer survivor and embracing it for everything that it is today. So I I share with everyone that every day as a cancer survivor is a day to celebrate life. And so that's how I approach every day with gratitude. And and I use every day as an opportunity to help other women and men too. Men can be affected by breast cancer. Sure. And through through Survive Her, I work with other organizations. I work in the community to educate and share the importance of genetic testing, the importance of having conversations with your family, the importance of of really making your health and wellness a top priority. And I celebrate my survivorship by doing just that, doing the work that's necessary. I, again, want to frame this in a in a positive light because the big C is a scary word and is something that everyone is afraid of of hearing that diagnosis. But I think the more mm-hmm. we can emphasize that, as we said, life after a cancer diagnosis is a reality more and more today. That's the positive message that will uh, get. 
uh, women and men, as you said, the uh, the treatment that they need. That's exactly right. I am a testament to the power of knowing your family history, to taking action, mm-hmm. to prioritizing your health. And I share my testimony of, of survivorship just through my day-to-day, how I live, yeah. how I communicate with others. And that's really what it's all about. Again, uh, Lindsay Levingston is with us this morning. Mention again the uh, website where folks can get uh, more information, the uh, platform that that you have uh, dedicated uh, to helping others uh, navigate this journey. So you can follow my platform, imasurviveher.org, and you can also learn more about genetic testing through invitae.com. Lindsay, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on, Chris. I appreciate the opportunity. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, local authorities hope a string of recent break-ins will serve as a reminder about the importance of securing your home, especially this time of year. We'll have some practical tips and advice. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.